Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Beth Capici and welcome to the Never Perfect Podcast. I'm a psychologist and I believe that embracing the fact that no aspect of life is perfect actually makes us happier and healthier and motivates us to achieve more. It also helps us become more real and compassionate with ourselves and others. In my counseling office, I deal with a little bit of everything. So in this podcast, you'll also probably be hearing a little bit of everything. Not only professional advice, but also some of my favorite and least favorite personal stories. I'm also going to be interviewing people who are brave enough to share their stories with us. I believe that everyone has a lot to teach and a lot to learn no matter what their background is and in spite of their imperfections. You don't have to be perfect to be inspiring. so excited you're here today because I'm going to be talking about relationships and I'm very passionate about helping people stay connected in their relationships of all types, but specifically healthy couples. And this is going to be the topic of today's discussion. So I'd like to introduce Dr. Carol Stoney. She's not here with me now. I'm actually trying a new method to record my introduction post the interview to be a little more zipped up, which is very rare for me. So Carol Stoney is not only a mother and a wife and an amazing therapist and writer, and she also does seminars, which I'll talk about here in a minute. Her kids are launched, so she and her husband are empty nesters, and they split their time between Chattanooga And she and I actually grew up just a few miles apart. And now they're also in Gulf Shores part of the time. And she is married to a man from Ireland. So she and I have a neat connection with that since my husband is from Scotland. So I'm going to read you a little bit from her webpage just to tell you a bit more about her. She is a licensed professional counselor and mental health specialist and she has exceptional training in the areas of healthy couplehood and repairing relationships. 
There are very few therapists in the world who have all of these leading couples treatment programs. Hers include the Gottman Method Therapy, Emotionally Focused Therapy, the Psychobiological Approach to Couples Therapy, and the acronym for that is PACT, P-A-C-T, and the Imago Method. The sole focus of her practice is working with individuals and couples who are taking the courageous step to understand and repair relationships and are interested in learning the best and latest tools available to make a healthy love connection happen. So today she's going to be sharing with me some really amazing research from Stan Tatkin, along with several of the other approaches I mentioned about the biology and the science behind relationships. There are just some really amazing findings. Um, And some of the seminars she does, one is on bringing baby home and how that impacts a couple when you bring a child into the relationship. And then also some premarital work. She loves doing work with couples who are engaged And she does some Gottman seminars on the seven principles for making marriage work. And she also trains people in the Gottman method and does clinical training. So um, in in her seminar on pre-marriage is called preparing for marriage. So she has so much to teach. And I was literally on the edge of my seat, just overjoyed and enthralled and inspired as we talked. So I hope that you feel the same way when you hear this conversation. Thanks for being here. Today, I am here with Carol Stoney, and I have been wanting to have lunch or coffee with you for like 10 years, and (laughs) we've been so busy and leading parallel lives, and so we're kind of doing our coffee in the podcast recording format, so thank you so, so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. This is exciting. This is my favorite topic. Uh, I'm... All years. I mean, and I want to thank you again so much for being here, like to sacrifice. This is a beautiful, beautiful fall day and there's a thousand things you could be doing. Mm. And so thank you for doing this. I can't wait to just hear about all of your healthy couplehood thoughts and um, repairing relationship thoughts. And I I just cannot wait to hear some of your favorite tools and your experience. So um, yeah. Do you, one thing I wanted to comment on from your bio is you describe yourself as a never ending learner when it comes to how to love those in your life better every day. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like you just have mm-hmm. such a passion for improving every relationship in your life and then improving other people's relationships. So yeah, it is my passion, Beth. And I think when you take the words never ending learner in there, you hear that it's a skill. Mm. Yeah. And it is a skill. You know, it's, it's really tempting when we're dating to think about how we feel. And of course we have these wonderful chemical reactions that are going on and this Mm -hmm. person looks great in their jeans. And, you know, there's this wonderful chemistry that nature does to bring us together, to have us pair off and do this pair bonding. But the thing that brings us together is not the skill that keeps us together. Mm. 
And so I think it's really important for all of us to do at least a little bit of digging into what makes a couplehood work. So when people are clients in my office or they're participants in a seminar that I'm doing, I have three objectives and I want them to know at the end of their time with me, I want them to know a lot about themselves, a lot more about themselves as partners. Mm -hmm. I want them to know a lot more about their partner as partners. We make a tremendous amount of ridiculous assumptions about our partners that are generally incorrect. Yes. Um, And then the third is I want people to be educated about relationships, to actually know what works that, that, you know, there's this myth that when I'm with the right person, I can behave however I want to, and Mm. this person will still want to be with me. And that's just not accurate. Mm -hmm. And so when people come together, you know, we really need to work with them on, oh, you just didn't know that yet, that this thing that you're doing has a really high likelihood of taking you all apart as a couple. Mm -hmm. You didn't know that. You know, let me see if I can arm you with something different. Try this and see how it goes. Mm. And then when they start to get a felt sense of success, then we have a couple saying, wait a minute, maybe there's some stuff out there that I don't know about. So sort of like unintentional damage or unintentional toxic patterns that can really drive a couple apart. But if you open your eyes, their eyes to that, sure, it can change the patterns or the... I think so. I believe so. But most of it is just stuff we don't know. We think we know. Or maybe we're mimicking what we see on, you know, a funny TV show or a Disney program, or mm-hmm. the things that get really deep into our psyches that we yeah. think work. You know, even if you look at modern day sitcoms or funny shows, you see this level of sarcasm mm-hmm. that is so deep, this mocking and teasing, and we think it's hilarious. And a lot mm-hmm. of times it is, but it's also the top predictor of divorce, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is if we are using a, that sarcastic, contemptuous tone with our partner, you know, if it's a put down that seems like a character assault, then you have almost 100% likelihood that you will divorce. So belittling, demeaning, negative, sarcastic. Yeah, that eye rolling, really cutting at the character of this other person. It's a one-up position. Mm. And when you see that in a couple, that is that is the bell ringer. That is, we are in deep trouble and have a lot of work to do. One of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, it is. So if, um, for anybody who's listening, you know, really do check. I'm not going to go into these mm-hmm. because you can find beautiful videos about this on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But The Four Horsemen by John Gottman. And this is research that Beth said she's talked about before. But if you look in there, these really are science. They're not somebody's opinion. Mm-hmm. We know that these predict that your relationship will not work. Mm-hmm. So go in there and look at what criticism really means. Go in there and look at what contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling really mean. And I want you to do a personal inventory. Which of these is my action tendency? That's what we call it as therapists. What is my action tendency when I feel stressed or hurt or I feel neglected or I feel abandoned? What is my go-to move? And we've all got them. We've all got them. What is my action tendency? And once I've done that, I can think about what is my partner's? 
I'm thrilled that you use the word personal inventory because that is one way that I try to check myself. I don't Mm. specialize in couples work Mm -hmm. like you do, but I try to reframe the focus from let me talk about what my partner's doing wrong. And I think there's so much more effectiveness or success when people can really think and do their own inventory. What am I, how am I messing up? Yeah. It's unusual though. Mm-hmm. It's much more fun to talk about, and it's much more obvious to us what this other person is doing. So typically when a couple comes into my office in the very beginning, they've got a good list of what the other person is doing mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, and so the unsaid request or goal of therapy is, Carol, please change my partner so that I feel better all the time. Mm-hmm. And I get that. You know, we're all just humans, and we want this person to be this enormous balm We want them to be that morphine pump that Mm. brings us love and acceptance and, you know, this comfort and we want them to be there all the time for us. But we married a human being and they're not. Uh They're not there all the time. And, you know, for those of us who, you know, can experience abandonment or rejection very easily and some people run that way, some people don't, then you start seeing those responses very intensely. They don't know how to manage themselves when they don't feel loved. And, you know, I think this is the thing that I I want all of us to examine is what are the things that I do when I don't feel loved? Mm. What do I do? Is it something that has my partner come closer to me? Or is it something that pushes him or pushes her away? That's a very basic question, but it is the question in couples therapy. When I'm hurt... Does my reaction bring my partner closer, which is what I'm really wanting, Mm -hmm. or does it push him or her away? And to me, that speaks to a lot of the skills that we just don't have. Mm. You know, we just don't have in our culture. They're not even skills that are reinforced in our culture. You know, we've we've gone through this really interesting thing of not needing people. You know, this this idea that there's something wrong with you or you're weak if you need people. And the truth is the opposite. We need people desperately. Mm. We need our tribes. We need our people. We need people that we know will respond to us. We know our body is a lot healthier. If mm-hmm. we know we've got a predictable group mm-hmm. who will respond to us when we are in distress Right. But I think there's this other message of, oh, well, you're needy if you reach mm. out and ask somebody for help. And, you know, in couples therapy, what we're learning about is how to effectively do that. So it's not being overly dependent or codependent, all these words that were thrown around for a long time. This is about effective dependency. Mm. So it's learning about how to function as part of a tribe, this little tribe that mm-hmm. you have created as a family in this little culture, but in an effective way. So when people come into my office or they walk into a divorce court or they're in the middle of some terrible phase in their marriage, I know that it's not that they ever wanted to get there. They just didn't know the skills because there are some Mm -hmm. of effective dependency on each other. And where are people going to learn these? They're not. I mean, they're really not. And, I, you know, we've got a couple of variables going on. We're living a long time. Mm. And the way that a marriage is perceived or even the way that it started has changed dramatically mm-hmm. in the last 100 to 200 years even mm-hmm. in the history of the world. We've got this amazing idea now that we're going to pick somebody based on emotion and we're going to stay together based on emotion. Mm. And we don't have the skills, the fuel to put in that tank. 
And so we're living in this really amazing time, too, because we've got great researchers in the world who have put their hearts and souls into figuring out how do interpersonal relationships actually work under this new paradigm. Mm-hmm. You know, our brains are old, but our reactions to each other have been studied. So you have pioneers like John Gottman, mm-hmm. you know, Google him, or Sue Johnson, just brilliant researchers. And we've got people like Stan Tatkin and Brent Atkinson, and then the Imago Method. We've got people who are really finding ways to keep people connected. Mm-hmm. If, if we'll reach out, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that probably isn't good that's out there that's not effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just given you five different things that are, are different ways to get to the same goal, which is how can we connect when... You know, we typically mm-hmm. are defensive creatures mm-hmm. <laughs> who get hurt and do things that take a relationship apart. Right. We don't mean to. Yeah. So those are some of your five favorite pioneers or researchers or psychologists that inform your practice and your work with couples. Yes. I mean, you just said so many profound things. Part of me just does not even want to say a word today because I just am like on the edge of my seat every oh, single day over talking. Oh, I my just get goodness, so excited no. talking about this because I want people to know that there's hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there is hope. Uh, you know, if you're struggling in your relationship, then you're a human. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I think that's part of the myth that we'll get into yeah. relationships and it's like buying a car. You know, if you buy the right car, you're going to have less maintenance. Mm-hmm. Not true. Not true, yeah. because the best really, I love this quote about marriage is our last best chance to grow up. Wow. And I think it is because when you see people in a secure relationship, they begin to challenge each other to grow up. Mm-hmm. And so all of this old stuff, perhaps you had some issues in your childhood. Maybe you even had some very severe experiences. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you just went through some really mm-hmm. crummy breakups. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But yeah. it all comes up once you get into a secure relationship. Well, so much of what you're saying, what resonates and stands out for me is it's the paradigm you have for marriage and for yourself can change everything. Mm -hmm. Like if you understand what expectations am I bringing to the table? What am I assuming marriage is meant to be for? What are some of my big triggers? Something you said earlier, um, I don't remember how you put it, but I was thinking about these operating systems we have Mm -hmm. in our brains, Mm -hmm. some of which are from childhood trauma or childhood patterns. And we may have un, you know, conscious like abandonment issues you mentioned or things like that. And then how do I respond when I'm hurt? What do I do when I don't feel loved? Um, you know, yeah, it's alters the whole course of the entire relationship. But if you're unconscious or unaware of those, you can't change them. You can't. And that's what good therapy should do. And it's not about people doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about doing things that don't work. Mm-hmm. You know, most most people come into my office and they are not committing crimes. They are committing relationship crimes. Right. You know, it's understandable, but it's not healthy. Right. It makes complete sense. Yes. And as therapists, we help them make sense of it. Well, of course you do it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, you believed that this would be effective. You believed by doing this thing, you would really get her attention. And that if she loved you, she would show up and 
you know, this is the Disney thinking that I, I love in my office. I talk about, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at every Disney movie, somebody's in distress, the other person knows exactly what to do and mm-hmm. shows up, solves the problem and then leaves. And you, right. yeah. it's so deep in our psyche yeah. that somebody who loves us should know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I adore doing premarital counseling because mm. I think it's just the most powerful work you can do is to start telling people hey, I'm here in five years when this gets confusing and here's some things to expect. But a big part of it is saying to them, this person will never know. They will never know what you're thinking right. and what you're feeling. They can't read your mind. No, and your guesses are probably wrong. Yes. They are probably wrong. And isn't it, isn't it Brene or is it Byron Katie? I can't remember who says that being clear is kind. Ah, being unclear is unkind in yes. a relationship. It may be Byron Katie. Look her up too. That's amazing. But it's a very important message for all of us. We think we're being clear, but we're not being direct and clear. And if I see a lot of that in my in my couples who come in, they are fussing, they are yelling, they're screaming about the things that their partner's not doing, or mm-hmm. or the things that their partner should be doing, or mm-hmm. what's wrong with you. But they're not giving a clear message. They think they are. And they need to learn how to say directly, you know what? Supper time is really important to me that we have our phones put away because I really want your attention. And I've read this research that I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid if we're not doing this, then our family is not, you know, they're not clear about it. They're just saying your work is so much more important to you. And, you know, what would it be like if we were your priority? And they're going all the way around the circle Instead of looking at their partner saying, I love you, I love us, mm-hmm. I love our family, mm-hmm. and I feel the most like a family when we're sitting around the table and nobody has their phones on. Right. And we make constant assumptions mm-hmm. that people, that things are obvious, that our needs are obvious, that we're communicating clearly. And I, I love that being clear as kind. I'm going to file that away and hopefully never forget it. It's an important one. It is. And you know, I'll have a piggyback that maybe you'll like, or maybe we can refine it. I love doing this. This popped in my head, state the obvious, Mm -hmm. but state what seems like the obvious. Yeah. Because when, you know, the egocentrism that we don't realize we have, and, and I always thought, oh, egocentric sounds like selfish and it sounds bad, but it's really seeing the world from your own center and, Mm -hmm your own perception. And I feel like that's one of the biggest issues in all relationships. Mm -hmm. And to your point about being clear is people don't think like you do. Mm -mm. I told, I had a therapist tell me this a while back. She said, you know, I think you assume that your husband is going to operate the way you do and you don't ask him for what you need because you're always trying to guess what people need. You know, I'm a helper on the Enneagram. And so I just try to read people's needs and I'm thinking, why doesn't my husband do that for me? And it's like, that's not the way he functions in life. He'll help if you ask, but he's not trying to guess what you need all the time. Yeah. And how liberating. Yes. That's incredibly liberating because then you can love him so much better by setting him up to succeed with you. Instead of having unspoken resentment. Yeah that the person doesn't even know you have these expectations or you made these assumptions. Yeah. What becomes funny in a way, kind of ironic or yeah. comical. So something I might say to a couple mm-hmm. in my office, uh, is I want, I give them a phrase that I want them to use with each other. Mm-hmm. That's my story about this is. Mm-hmm. So let's say I, I really wished my husband would have remembered something, you know, or, 
I'm trying to think of a good example, but it would be much more helpful if I went to him and said, okay, this is my story about this. <laughs> and he's probably going to giggle because he knows that these are pretty, pretty inventive as we all are. And they're usually a, an unspoken story. Oh, completely. Uh -huh. This is my story about this, that if you loved me, you would have remembered that this, this, and this, you would have remembered to pick this up or done Right. This. Here was my interpretation yes. and my assumption of and your it's behavior. it's so silly when we start thinking about it this way. This is my story that you were talking to this person too long at the party and that meant you thought that that person was so much more attractive than your spouse. And yeah, it's just funny. And then we look at it and we're like, oh my gosh, this is so ridiculous. Uh-huh. Speaking, it takes a lot of the air out of that balloon. Yes. But it's also, it's not always silly. It's also, you know, this is my story about why these people left me out of this event. Can you help me with that? What part of this is true? Right. We jump to these conclusions and then we feel as if they're real and it can take us down a really dark hole in our marriage. Or, and then it's there's a really good chance it's not even true in the first place. There is such a good chance it's not true. It's like fueling the narrative. Yeah, well, it definitely does. And that's what our brain does. It's confirmation bias is what it's called. Mm. Is that once we get one of those negative thoughts, which 80% of our thoughts are, mm. then our brain looks to confirm it. And that's actually an adaptive strategy. What did you call it? Confirming? Con confirmation bias. Oh, confirmation bias. So if I think my partner's selfish, then my brain is going to fill in all the blanks on how selfish that person is. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, totally. but an other fulfilling prophecy. Totally. Wow, I love that. But that is that is a truth. That's the way that we're wired. And as couples and as people in partnership, we're having to unwire that all the time. We're rewire it, I should say and override that wiring all the time. There's a great book, a children's book called Meshka the Kvetch hmm. that I just loved to read, you know, three decades ago when I was a school counselor and hmm. was reading books to children. It, it's just adorable. And it's about a woman who complained all the time. And then all these things actually did come true. And then everything got reframed into gratitude. But it, it's a, if you're looking for a book to give a grandchild or yes, your own child or yes. donate to a school, Meshka the Kvetch. I'm going to write that down and ask oh, you terrific. how to spell it later. Yeah, no, it's a terrific book. But yeah. the other thing that you were going to do, Beth, is mm -hmm. I was going to give you some links for people to watch. Please, and yes. one of them is about, it's, it's by a man named Stan Tatkin, mm -hmm. who's a, just a rock star couples therapist and teacher and researcher in the world. And he has, um, there's a video and it's on YouTube. You can find it. But he talks about these assumptions that we make. Mm. And what he does, I think is brilliant, is he talks about how rapid fire these assumptions are. You know, you can So automatic. It, so automatic. And it happens so quickly that we lose the benefit of the doubt with each other. Mm -hmm. And we get into defense versus offense mode. Mm. And if you think about it, to have a defense and an offense, you've got two different teams. Mm. So all of a sudden, this couple who came together to be on the same team, their neurobiology, their brain is saying, uh-uh, this is the other. You're so the enemy, not you're the, the enemy. team. You're the enemy. So everything in your brain is working now against that other person, not giving them the benefit of the doubt, because you wouldn't do that with the enemy. You're fueling resentment. Completely. Competitiveness. You're protecting yourself. Mm. You're protecting yourself. And that's what you're wired to do to stay alive. Mm. So a lot of those tendencies, those action tendencies like the four horsemen, are wonderful self-protective strategies. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful strategies if you're not trying to stay in connection with somebody. To be defensive mm -hmm. is fine. To shut something out like stonewalling is, 
when it's hurting you. Okay, I got that. You know, especially if I'm not trying to stay in connection with that person. But they're the very things that will shut down a relationship. So we're we're actually learning these superhuman emotional gymnastics mm. to stay in connection with other people. Right. Trying to transcend the natural tendencies. Very much. Very much. And I want us to have compassion. Yes. For the fact that that's difficult, but that the outcome is that we're much healthier. Mm-hmm. We're much physically, we're physically, emotionally, spiritually, we are healthier on all domains when our relationships at home are going well. Mm. Yeah. And so if you want to invest, you know, people who want to go out for a jog or eat more greens or whatever they want to do, this is actually up there, if not higher, mm-hmm. on what will predict your physical health mm-hmm. is your relationships with other people. Mm. Yes. So invest in a little bit of learning about this. Just know that you don't know. I don't care who you picked. Mm-hmm. You don't know everything about relationships. I don't know everything about relationships, which is why I said I'm a never ending learner. Mm-hmm. Is that there is information out there about how we all can love people better. So one of the things we talked about a little while ago, Beth, was Mm -hmm. it's a very basic premise Mm -hmm. uh, that I ask all couples in my office is how does your partner feel when he or she is with you? Mm. That's profound. How does my partner feel? And then I might ask them to ask themselves a couple more questions. How is my partner's sex life? Mm. Does my partner feel liked by me? I love that principle of feeling liked versus love. Huge, big deal. Mm. And especially for our males, by the way, if you're in partnership with a male, Mm -hmm. it's the big complaint after they get married. They'll say, what happened to the girl who liked me? Mm. Now she's trying to change all these things about me, which we joke about a lot in our culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's a very painful truth in that, that if you're in a heterosexual relationship and you're a female and you're hearing this, this is a tendency for females to after marriage to have built this guy up and to have said wonderful things and then to get in partnership and flip that mirror around and start saying these are the things that you need to change. Yeah. I don't know what it is about us. I'm not smart enough to know that, but that's that's definitely a tendency that we need to watch. It's a big theme. It's like they never feel good enough because I think women can be so picky or we can't well we really start criticisms, Beth. So if you look at Gottman's mm-hmm. Four Horsemen, mm-hmm. we do 85% of the criticism wow. and concerns in any relationship. The female does. And if you think about it with your girlfriends, mm-hmm. I know with my girlfriends, whom I'm going to see tonight, I'm really excited about that. We will sit around and talk about problems and we will make no progress on them. Mm-hmm. You know, we will just sit around and talk about... It's just fun. It's a sport. Yeah. Like it's, an engine it's what's itself. struggling <laughs> you. What are you struggling with? And we feel bonded by that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we really do. Like, I want to know their struggles. I, I yeah. have no need to do anything about them. Yeah. But I don't feel like I can get down to the nitty gritty going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's truly like, what is different for you? You know, my mm-hmm. two best friends are coming down to the beach in a couple of weeks Aww. where we live part time, my college best friends. And, uh, you know, I know that's. I mean, we've already started a list of topics on <laughs> on on our our little group messaging of okay things we need to cover we need about to cover. aging. You know, <laughs> we were not old, but you know, it's it's funny like the um, things that are coming up that we would only talk about with each other. That's how we bond. Yes. And then if you're in a heterosexual relationship as a female, 
and you try to bond that way with your male partner by telling him all the things that you're worried about that uh-huh. he's doing or they want to fix it or they get stressed the out it completely stresses their body out it does the last it does the opposite it fills a woman's bucket or yes. tank whereas it yes. makes a man probably Doesn't feel distress and does yeah. not bring him closer wow there are ways to do that that can and there are uh-huh. ways that you know a, a man can learn oh i've got to decode this this is my partner trying to bring me closer or, oh, I need to realize this is actually a privilege that she's telling me what's wrong in her world. That's not our natural wiring. Exactly. You have to override that natural wiring. Completely. And as women, we need to know how to express that in a way that, again, doesn't push people away versus bringing them closer, which we do with our girlfriends. That's something I see a lot in my office, and I'm sure you do with couples, is just a woman shares, and if their husband just simply is sympathetic or empathetic or mm, compassionate, that's, that's, all that's all they need. And they don't understand what a turn on that is. Huge. And that that's probably almost like torture for them not to be able to fix it or put a Band-Aid on it. Yeah, yeah. And they feel stressed. But for the woman, it's like I feel more connected and probably in the mood for sex than I have in a long time. Yeah. Because you just listen to me talk the way I do to my college girlfriends. Yeah. Well, you sat in the pit with me and and there's a wonderful video that Brene does on that. Brene Brown is the sympathy versus empathy. Mm. Uh, It's a cartoon video. Somebody put a cartoon to it. You can find it on YouTube. And if I can find the link, I'll send it to you. But Mm. it's a wonderful demonstration. But again, this is countering our human nature to be in human relationships that feel good. Mm. You know, we need to ask ourselves, what does it take to live in a relationship that feels good? I know my doctor asked me a really good question. She, you know, she, we were talking about all the information that's out there in the world for people as they're, um, you know, postmenopause or for just anybody. Like there is so much information and it's all different about mm-hmm. what you should be eating, what, how much exercise you should be doing, what you should be concerned about. And I found it all completely overwhelming. And my doctor said to me, Carol, we need to figure out what it takes for you to live in a body that feels good. Mm. What's specific to you? And it was such a weight off. I was like, oh, yeah, there isn't like a one right answer. Right. But it depends on who you are. Yeah. Yeah, It's unique. And that's what couples therapy should be doing. So can I ask for clarification? So it counters human nature to be in a relationship that feels good. So what can you explain that? Like, do do you mean the biology is wanting to be in defense mode? Yes. Okay. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, I think that's important for all of us to recognize. So I said earlier that one thing I want couples to do is to know their action tendencies. What do I do when I feel hurt? And it's typically to protect myself, Mm. all of us. Mm -hmm. That's the way, that's why you're here. You know, so human nature is fighting for survival. Yeah. So you want to fight your partner? Yes, absolutely. It's normal. It's absolutely oh. normal to think that this person is your enemy or they're against you or they don't understand you or to use those strategies that are going to activate panic in another okay. human being. So you want to be in self-protective defense mode. Completely. That's normal. That's so That is your neurobiology. Wow. The reason you are here, <laughs> probably because somebody drew the sword first. Survival of the fittest. In the past. Yeah. I mean, you lived. So Like we're competing for resources with every single person every we ever meet. Every single person, even our partner. Yeah. You know, so that's wow. just your biology. You don't mean to, but it wins. Our reactive nature, our defensive nature 
wins. Unless it wins we first. realize it and override well, I it. Think, I think it does anyway. I think uh, it does. It, it comes first, I should mm-hmm. say, instead of wins. It's our first reaction, and that's normal. Mm-hmm. That's normal. So you think about what it's like uh, driving on ice. You know, you mm-hmm. have to learn how to not do what you your your biology tells you to do, which is right. turn one way. You've got to turn the wheel a different yeah. way. And that's what we're doing in couplehood is I don't feel like saying it this way. But when I do, isn't it funny things I don't end up in the ditch? That makes so much sense, because as you said earlier, you know, we need to stop treating who's supposed to be our biggest ally and part of our team as our enemy. Yeah. But it is funny. I've I've commented on this with couples and I've seen it in myself so much. Somehow I resent my husband a lot. Like when my life is stressful or not enjoyable in some way, somehow I want to blame him. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this has got to be your fault somehow. And I'm going to be kind of pissy or rude to you because yeah, I'm yeah. not enjoying how I'm feeling in my life right now. And it's your fault or that endless tit for tat completely competitive. I'm doing more chores than you are. Oh, yeah. I'm doing more of this. I'm, you know, you're meaner or whatever, just this com- yeah, competitiveness yeah. that makes so much sense. Yeah. Our reserves go down, don't they? Our oh. reserves, our kindness reserves. And I think when a couple mm-hmm. comes in like that, Beth, the first thing I'm going to talk to them about is how much is in their emotional bank account as mm-hmm. a couple because this is a preventive thing. I have children who are now 22 and almost 19. Mm -hmm. And I I look in their bank accounts all the time because they're linked to mine. (laughs) But we talk about that reserve that Mm -hmm. has to be in there for them to feel feel comfortable, right? This is a proactive thing that we're doing is keeping a cushion in there so that when you get to the hard day, when something bad happens, you've got you. You don't have that emotional panic. You mm-hmm. might have something. Ter- all of us have terrible things happen, or your funds are depleted. But there's enough of a there's cushion. enough in there that you don't panic on top of whatever this event is. And in couples, I don't want couples to become great problem solvers. That's not why we got together. Is to go from one panic to another. Mm. All right. And this is what we get to a lot of the time is we're doing this one-to-one thing where we have this bad moment, then we have this good moment and we have this bad moment, then we have this good moment. And that's the recipe for a divorce. Mm. Absolutely. What we need to do is be a lot more at about like 20 to one. Yes. I want at least 20 good moments for every hard moment because the hard moment is inevitable. You are going to step on each other's toes. You're going to forget to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You're going to say that thing when you're snarky that you never should have said, you know, and if we don't have a built-in insulation of 20 times that, and this is the a buffer, a the shock work, absorber, yeah, just really having a great emotional bank account. So that's, that's a proactive that's thing, Beth. And mm-hmm. that's saying, what do we have right now to look forward to as a couple? Mm. What do we have right now to look forward to as a couple? I want every couple to always have something on the books mm-hmm. that they are looking forward to as a couple because it will change their behavior. Now, if a couple is deep in fighting mm-hmm. and deep in problems and you tell them to go have date night, which was a you know, stupid recommendation of couples therapists in the past, well, you're just going to have give them Conflict. a forum for going and fighting, mm-hmm. right? But something that they both are looking forward to is something that's critical. Uh, I also want them to look for lots of little things. What nice thing have you said to your partner that day? Have you sent a nice text? Have you done something to make his or her life easier? 
That How brings are you making mind. your life easier? Mm-hmm. Gottman's principle of positive sentiment override oh, yeah. and negative sentiment yeah. override. And that's that was what one. this is. Yeah. yeah. This is a big deal, but it's proactive. Mm-hmm. And as much as all of us know that we need to eat more vegetables and need to exercise and get a little sunlight on your face, people still aren't doing it. Look at our culture. Well, and I would estimate that probably only... I, one in 20 couples are proactive. Mm. I don't think I are. We are very proactive in our relationship, kind of in survival mode. Yeah. With the kids. With lots of kids. And yeah. It's, I, yeah. It's hard, but it's mm-hmm. worth it. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to sound Pollyanna about this because I don't think it takes a lot of time. So <clears throat> I will challenge you then when you mm-hmm. leave here today to get your phone. Mm-hmm. Actually, we're going to do it before I leave. <laughs> uh, to put something in there to remind you to give him an extra hug and a kiss when he doesn't Aww. expect it. Or, or mm-hmm. to write him a nice note. Or just say thank you in front of the children. I love that. To him. I mean, it is tiny. But the ripple effects are huge. And do we force ourselves sometimes? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know what's interesting? When you said you don't want to sound Pollyanna-ish. I actually think it's the polar opposite. Okay. I think you're being so realistic with how hard marriage is and how many things are coming down the pike yeah. that you're saying, get 20 things in place because marriage is hard. Life is hard. Is. And you're going to have the hits are going to keep on coming. They so are. I love that. I actually think it's so not Pollyanna-ish. Okay. So it's it's just smart. It's smart. So we want to yeah. be smart about what this thing really is. And, yeah. and you know, I, I say this a lot in the office and clients have glommed onto it. So I think it must be effective, but choose your hard. Ooh, yeah. Choose your hard. Mm. Yes, it is hard to put a smile on your face sometimes. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is hard to say thank you when you mm-hmm. don't feel like being grateful. I agree. I don't want to sometimes. Oh, yeah. I don't want to. I mean, are you, you think me? it's your turn? Like, yeah, my cup is empty. It's time for you to fill my totally. cup. Totally. Uh, Okay. You can do that. And that's fine. That is your right. But as I've also said Mm -hmm. to my growing children, just because you can doesn't mean you should, Mm -hmm. you know, and what I want to do long term is be married Mm -hmm. to Robert Stoney for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I need to say, what is your greatest strategy for doing that? It's harder to not be married to him. Mm -hmm. Is it hard right now to say thank you? Or is it hard to stay focused on this? Yes, but it only takes a second. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I would add on to these small things that we can do best mm-hmm. that are really, really important in terms of the 20 to one mm-hmm. is one that is the hardest for all of us. Mm-hmm. All right. So everybody buckle your seatbelts for this one, because mm-hmm. I want everyone to do this today and see how it works. Mm, I love it. <laughs> okay. I want you to look in your partner's eyes when they talk to you. Mm. Just look, just look in their eyes with a look that's receptive, like I'm interested in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Eye contact. Eyes are the window to our neurobiology, wow. and they are a way that we regulate each other mm. all the time to say, I'm your person. I'm interested in what you're saying. Your eyes communicate whether you like somebody, or whether you're interested, whether you're present. Mm-hmm. And we're all busy. You know, we've all got mm-hmm. our different flavors of busy. Mm-hmm. But your eyes communicate that I am here in this moment with you. It's a very intimate thing. Wow. And it begins to do all kinds of beautiful things with your chemistry, your brain chemistry mm. that says, 
it, it starts, it, what it does is it really incites a lot of that bonding hormone. Mm-hmm. Oxytocin. Yes, it does. And so it's mm-hmm. eye contact that does that. If you think about your babies when they were little, they were always trying, especially the girls, but they were always trying to get that eye fix. The boys so would many, look at you and then they yeah. would look away and then they would look back. But it's it's a huge bonding event. It's the reason, though, that when you go into the grocery store and you're walking through, you don't get up close in somebody's face and make intense eye contact because you're not going to be trying to bond with somebody that you've never met in the produce section. You know, it gets uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It gets uncomfortable for a reason because it's too intimate. Mm. It's a very intimate thing to look at somebody's eyes. And so I really want to encourage people just to play with that today. If you're listening to this alone or you're listening to it with your partner, get the giggles about how difficult it can be, but it will change your marriage dramatically if when you talk to your partner or when he or she is talking, you just look up and look in their eyeballs. That's amazing. It's the most powerful thing you can do. Isn't that crazy how some of the most basic, simple things can Mm -hmm. be the most profoundly life-changing and relationship-changing? Totally life-changing. And and I, I just want people to try it. You are your own little scientist, yeah. relationship scientist, you know, and, and you can email or call Beth or uh-huh. and say, that sucked. It didn't work. Uh-huh. But I'd like for you to at least try it and say, how does this help my yeah. relationship? Be your own scientist. Well, you know, something along those lines that is fascinating and it relates to Brene Brown's vulnerability stuff. I'm going to be very vulnerable or open here and just say that. My husband and I have had a hard few months with a lot of different things. Like our little three and a half year old dog was on the brink of dying Mm, all summer and $8,000 later. And that, you know, some of those things that take out of your bucket. And then we were going to go to Scotland for Christmas. Mm. And we just decided this week that wasn't going to work out. And so he's been in a funk and we've been depleted. And kind of you look at not only the marriage bank account, but Mm -hmm. your own individual bank account. And I like to tell couples like, how can your marriage be any better than your own personal life happiness? Like if you're saying as an individual, I'm like a five out of 10. Yeah. How's your marriage going to be any better than a five out of 10? It's not. So, um, but the thing that turned a little thing yesterday that I noticed, because we have just definitely both been in a funk and that doesn't do well for our relationship this Mm -hmm. last week or two or however. And I laughed pretty hard at something he said yesterday. It was just yesterday evening. And I saw his mood go up like by 20%, just one spontaneous laugh. She likes me. Yes. Exactly. And that's probably what the eye contact thing. And we don't realize we just walk around in autopilot mode. Totally. In our marriages and just life in general a lot. But I always love first things first. They used to joke or or they had a saying that I viewed as a joke, like greet your spouse as nicely as you greet your part as your dog. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like we treat guests in our house so much kinder Mm -hmm. than we treat our family. Mm hmm. And, you know, we say, oh, would you like something? And we compliment them and we bring them a drink. But our partner, we just take them for granted because it's just go in it for the long haul. And you just think, oh, they're going to be here forever. And they're not. They're not. Uh, you know, and I can tell you as a couples therapist that so many people come into my office saying, I never thought this would happen to us. Mm-hmm. How did we get here? And yeah. no one plans to no one plans to get into that kind of stress. But we've if we've got I think the sobering fact that we have to talk about is the fact that 
about half, depending on the statistic you're reading, about half of marriages are going to end in divorce. Mm-hmm. And then of the people who stay together, what percentage of those are glad that they did? Mm. You've also got a bunch of people in high conflict. You've got people who are unfaithful to each other. You've got people who are serially marrying. So they're hanging on by a thread and yeah, not happy. They're not. They're not. And you see, definitely. So I think what what I really want us to understand is that what we're trying to do by being in a relationship that works makes us the minority. Mm. You're trying to get a minority position in the world. You know, the minority right. are the people who are happy or satisfied or rate the relationships as satisfying. I would say like one in 20 or one in 10 are probably in that category. Maybe I don't know so. if you have any statistics. Maybe so. But... You know, I don't. I, I would be afraid to put any out. But yeah. It's definitely not up there. And of course, we all ebb and flow and go through phases in our marriages that aren't as satisfied as other times. You know, mm-hmm. there certainly are dips. Good point. When like we look at young the children. Oh, it's tar- It's tiring. Mm-hmm. When you look at the high incidence of divorce at like four to six years after you're married and then again at 15, mm. about 15 years. I mean, we can look at stages right. of ebbs and flows. But in general, for people to rate themselves as, you know, I'm really glad I'm doing life with this person then you're going to be in the minority. But it also means that they're doing something that's different. And that's what we had to study is what are are couples doing who are satisfied in their relationships? This is where these wonderful researchers like Sam Katkin and these others have come out and said, you know, Brent Atkinson has this wonderful quote where he says, when I speak, I'm I'm, I'm misquoting it, but Mm -hmm. he's basically saying, when I talk to my partner, do I activate their care circuits or their panic circuits? Mm. You know, does this, so we are, I mean, think about what we are. We're a soul or a spirit, but we've also got meat and blood and electrical impulses. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're basically these wonderful um, reaction machines. Yeah. Uh, and so my husband, part, I mean, I think part of my responsibility is to, deeply study him. Mm. The next part of it is to accept him as is. Mm. So I tell couples all the time, I want you to picture one of those pageant sashes, like you see, and I want it to say as is on it. And for kids too, I just want to drive that. This is to me exactly make a study of your kids. Someone said this in one of my other podcasts, study your husband and accept as is. As is. That's what you bought. This was not a home improvement project. This is a human being. As is, can you accept a lot about this person as is? Now, if this person is actively um, abusing you in some way, that's not what we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, verbally or physically. Yeah, if it's toxic really or unhealthy, some, don't accept he- that. Yeah, but. go get some help. But most of the things that we assume are crimes in a relationship that somebody else shouldn't be doing. When I ask, when I ask the question in my office, like, is that a crime? Mm. You know, what actually is wrong with that? There's actually nothing wrong with somebody's doing that. That's hilarious. And that resonates with, I sometimes come up with columns with people and Mm. it's probably an indirect, probably beating around the bush way to say, is that a crime? But I say, put things in categories. Mm. Like here is something wrong abusive, yes, sinful, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Here's something annoying. Yes. Here's something that's not my ideal dream or not exactly what I wanted. That's exactly what it is. Or different. But what's opinion. important is how small actually 
that list is of things that were that are actual crimes mm-hmm. in a marriage. Things that are actual crimes versus things that we don't like right. or that bring up that feeling of threaten us. Well, guess what? That's on me. Right. I wish if my wife would exercise more. That's yeah. not a crime. That's not a preference. Crime. That is not a crime. Somebody, you know, a very common one as a couples therapist is I want this person to have sex with me more. Mm. Well, it's not a crime if they don't want to have sex with you. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship crime if you all don't have an ongoing dialogue about it, about mm. what that's like. That's a great distinction. Uh, that's a big, big difference because one, you can feel cared for in it and maybe have, you know, get some um, traction, uh, some progress somewhere. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like not only are you not loved and there's no hope of fixing it, mm-hmm. that's when you've got a relationship crime. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's completely ignoring your pleas for something to be different. There are very few things that are actual crimes yeah. in a relationship. Most yeah. of it is just stuff that annoys us and bothers us. I love that. And I could not agree more. And you know, what I just thought about is a really huge crime is, and really just heartbreaking is how many couples that are miserable, but staying together mm-hmm. could have a marriage that's five times more satisfying by just maybe even tweaking four or five things or doing some of the things you just said. Oh, I agree. And it is tragic. And they just don't have the right paradigm. I think very few of us have the right paradigm. I agree. Well, and, you know, we talked about confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. That once we start seeing, oh, this person's just lazy or this person's just selfish or the really painful one of this person doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. We feel you know, that narrative that may not even be true. Oh, and another one is I picked the wrong person. Mm-hmm. You know, so once we start getting these ideas... The brain is beautifully cooperative Mm. and it's going to find all the ways that that is true, Uh, you know, and it doesn't look for all the reasons it's not true. Someone was just talking about act as if, Mm -hmm. have you heard this? Mm -hmm. I can't remember who said this, Mm -hmm. but it reminds me of trying to like stop that narrative or those, those self-fulfilling prophecies of, I assume this is true. And so I'm going to just fuel that fire and add all these examples to fuel this narrative that may not even be right. And it likely isn't. And that's hard as a human being. This is a very humbling process. Mm -hmm. Being part of a couple is we realize how wrong we are and how often we are wrong. You know, the Gottman method that I use has some brilliant techniques Mm -hmm. that can help us explore some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called the dream within conflict. They're, mm. they're, they're just wonderful exercises that he uses with couples to help them understand the other person's perspective. And they really are just jaw dropping mm. the things that you watch couples learn about mm-hmm. each other and, and try to navigate, but wow. that we're, we're really not right a lot of the time. Uh, and that actually, when you get some traction with a couple and they can start realizing that they missed it, yeah. A few times that can be addictive because we start saying, okay, what am I missing in this yeah. circumstance now? Clearly there's something that upset you that I missed. They and get excited kind of to dig in. Yeah. It can be. Yeah. I mean, there's the initial sting, but the, you know, somebody I would recommend mm-hmm. um, for your listeners mm-hmm. to look into is Byron Katie. Yes. And the reason I, I recommend that is because she's doing exactly what you just discussed. Hmm which is questioning your thoughts. Mm. And she has a whole protocol called thework.com where we go in and we question our thoughts. My thought, he should be doing this. You know, he should be cleaner in the house or he should be 
And then she has you do these wonderful contortions like, well, flip that around. What are ways that that's not true? She's even has an app that you can go through and it slows your thoughts down. It's called the work and it will put you in your place in terms of this judgment that we have. She even has something called the judge your neighbor worksheet, you know, where you go through and figure out all these judgments that are so natural for us to make about what other people need to be doing to make us feel better. And we forget that they're assumptions and we treat them like facts. Yes. We set them in stone and you concretize them more and more with all these like additional pieces of data that may be put in the wrong categories. Yeah. Likely put in the wrong categories. Yeah. Most of the time. So two things about that. One, I want to tell you one of my favorite cognitive technique and then, oh, the love languages. So two interesting things in, and I would be honored if you want to use my, my multiple choice thinking technique. Love it. I call it instead of fill in the blank, like my husband forgot to do that thing I asked him to do. So this means he's irresponsible or this means he doesn't love me or this means he doesn't listen to me. And then you put that in your your, you know, list of reasons that he doesn't love you or something, Mm -hmm. you stop and think, well, maybe it's because he has ADD or maybe the phone was ringing. And I tell people come up with five or 10 different interpretations and don't assume that that first one, but we do, we do it all the time, all the time. And I, what we're trying to talk about is not a character flaw. Mm -hmm. It's being human. It's being human. That is your natural tendency that you are overriding to be in a relationship mm. and that is work and it's lovely. It, I, I think it's why marriage and any, or any long-term relationship is our best classroom. Makes us because it makes people. us deal with ourselves. Mm. It makes us deal with ourselves. You know, one thing that I want to put into, if, if, if somebody's looking for something concrete mm-hmm. to do, aside from the eye contact that we talked about, one thing that I have all of my couples do, especially my engaged couples, mm-hmm. I reinforce this, is I have them get a picture of their partner at five years old mm. and a picture of themselves at five years old. And you know, those trifold frames that you can find mm-hmm. and then put a picture of them as a couple, a happy picture of them as a couple in the middle. And you've got a picture of these five-year-olds on either side, because when our brain is in distress. It goes back to strategies when Mm -hmm. when we were five, probably, Mm -hmm. you know, just these are the childlike, no restraint Uh kind of reactions. And so I'm in charge of loving a little five-year-old in my husband. There's a little child in there that has some needs. Yeah. And I'm not going to yell at that five-year-old. When I look at that picture of my husband at five years old, see the vulnerability. You see the vulnerability. You see, he's doing the best he can. Wow. Yeah. We're all just struggling through life. We are all, I can't yell at that five-year-old. Yeah. But I can think like I would with a five-year-old, what were you thinking? Like, what did you believe? Right. Be compassionate with them and be compassionate with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because that little five-year-old in me is right there too. Wow. So I have couples put that in their bedroom because I want them to see it every day. Mm -hmm. Here we are as five-year-olds. Here we are together. You know, we form this life together. We've got hopefully some guiding principles about what it is that this marriage is about. 
mm-hmm. that we've talked about what's the purpose of this because we could do this separately like well, what's what's the reason that we're together and that's the humanness piece that drives me so much honestly to even just do this whole podcast and call it never perfect mm-hmm. i mean my intro which i need to re-record because i was probably so nervous i didn't even sound <laughs> like myself but saying you know trying to be more compassionate with ourselves and others like and and it kind of speaks to the defensiveness thing you talk about like I feel like COVID has sort of given us a bit of more of this. We're all in this together. Mm -hmm. We are all struggling through a really, really, really hard life. Life is just hard. And Mm -hmm. it's nobody would probably disagree with that in the last two years because of COVID. But in general, like to have that compassion for your husband or your wife or anyone just you know, they make mistakes. They're struggling They're They might be tired. They might have ADHD like I do. I mean, there's a hundred reasons to cut them slack. Mm-hmm. And why do we go to the most critical, condescending, judgmental interpretation sometimes? Right. Because we're humans. Yeah. And that's what we're learning to override. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this stuff were easy, you wouldn't have all these wonderful faith traditions that talk to us about how to be kinder, how to be more loving, how to be compassionate to people. Yeah. If this stuff were natural, we wouldn't, we wouldn't need constant we reminders. Need constant reminders. Yeah. Because all of us know what to do. Mm-hmm. That's not the issue. So psychoeducation is not enough. You know, it's mm-hmm. enough. We want to tell people this is what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, understanding what John Gottman's work is is fantastic. It helps mm-hmm. us understand that there's a delta between where we are and where we need to be in terms of our skills. Mm-hmm. Learning how to practice those with a therapist is really important. Yeah. Uh, b- because it gives us a felt sense of what it's like to try this and see how it lands. Uh-huh. And to see my partner, like what you saw last night when you said that you laughed out loud and you could see him change. Yes. You could see his face change. That's what good therapy should be, mm-hmm. is being able to, for you to say, oh, when I do this, this is how it lands with my partner. You know, I haven't been laughing at his jokes recently. I've been so pissed off about it. Yes. Or um, I remember, I'll, I'll tell you a silly one. So uh-huh. As a therapist, I was horrified with myself. <laughs> but uh, I, I remember going upstairs when my older daughter was going to sleep one night and went upstairs to say goodnight and kiss her on the head. And I told her I was really proud of her for something. I have no idea what it was at the time. Uh I said, Bennett, I'm just so proud of you, the way you handled that. She looked at me with those big, beautiful green eyes. She said, really? You don't really say that you're proud of me. Oh. And I was heartbroken in that moment because I thought, I bust buttons over this girl all the time. I'm yeah. so proud of her. I say it to everybody else. You know, I feel it all the time. But she gave me a very strong message that that message was not getting across. Nobody did anything wrong. But I realized how yeah. often, you know, that message doesn't get where we need it to be. Right. And here I'm trained in all of this stuff and worked with kids. And my daughter didn't know I was proud of her. Yeah, there's some kind of interference in your communication yeah, that you would have okay. rated yourself on and being honest and vulnerable. Like, I'm really good at affirmation. And oh, she's like, I'm not getting me. that. Shocked me. But I tell you what, I even texted her this morning. This is, what, seven years later and said, I'm so proud of you for that. Because that message got through to my heart. And you she used that feedback, even me. though you could have been defensive. I could have and, been. And she might have felt gaslit. You probably felt gaslit. Like, wait, what? Yeah, like, I could have. I could have. I could have taken her apart. But I'll give myself credit her and on validated that one. Like, wow, some... Something's not getting through. Yeah, and something that's, that's happening with couples. To me. Exactly. That's what's happening with couples. We think we're being loving. 
we think we're showing up. We think we're being kind. We think we're doing the best we can, you know, and it's just not true. That's why I brought up the languages of love, actually, okay. is I feel like one of those common miss, um firings or, you know, disconnects in couples is someone is trying in the wrong ways yeah. and not wrong, like mistake wrong, but yeah. just like they're assuming if I cook every night or if I, you know, bring them coffee every morning, they're going to know how much I love them, but they're yeah. thinking I need affirmation and you're not doing that. And they're bending over backwards to spend time with you right, or, right. but they're not complimenting you or they're serving you, but they're not hugging you. And so sometimes I think couples that are trying really, really hard, it's just not felt because they're not, I call it barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. They're yeah. giving you things that you don't really need as much as, and there's a lack of communication about oh sure what you actually need more of. Well, I, I, yeah, and maybe people can understand it more by listening by by the concept of medicine. Mm. You know, if there's like I, I was just thinking that I was in the at the doctor a couple of weeks ago. I had something going on, some weird infection, mm -hmm. a kidney infection. They gave mm -hmm. me one antibiotic, and and then uh, that didn't work. And I went to another doctor, and he said. Oh, they gave you the completely wrong medication. That was going to treat this, not that. And of course, I'd been in agony for like a week Ooh. thinking I was doing the right thing. Right. And so this other person said, no, 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 th this is actually the one that you need. And th there was nothing wrong with that other medication. Mm -hmm. But um, I hate taking medication. So mm -hmm. I'm a reluctant taker anyway. But right. This was, it wasn't targeted for what this issue was. Right. And so I was still in pain. So I was so grateful for somebody who could say, no, this is what works. And if we think about that with our partners, we're thinking about a medicine that's customized to them. The guy even said, oh, I'm just sending this off to get the DNA of what the infection is so that uh -huh. we can make sure that the medication is targeted to this. It's really brilliant. And that's what we're doing as couples is we're saying, I know that this really speaks to this person. And this is part of what we said earlier that, you know, part of your responsibility is to study this other human being, mm. to be the expert on this human being. Make be them your greatest challenge and your greatest yeah. passion in life yeah. is getting to the bottom of that person. And by the way, that changes, you know, so they updating change. those stories all mm -hmm. the time. This is one thing that Gottman does really well, in my opinion. And they call it something called love maps. And mm. there, I, I can't even remember how many questions there are Yeah, I remember this a little bit. But there's so many questions that if you ask a couple to fill these things out for each other, what was his favorite last last meal or favorite movie or what would he do if he won the lottery? Or people think they know their partner. They do not know they their partner. They haven't tuned in to their they frequency. Haven't. And they don't update them. So mm. the very thing that it might have been a few years ago is different now, what my biggest fear is. You stopped paying attention and you just had it set Normal. in stone when it's, we change all the time. All the time. All the time. So updating those love maps and you Ooh, can find more about that yeah. as well is part of the job. I can't parent my 22 and almost 19 year old the same way I did when they were five and eight. You right. know, I've had to update my love maps on them. Although they, yeah, they have to remind me to do that. Don't they call it the sound relationship house? Or yeah, something? that's the overarching understanding um, it's basically the MRI of the relationship okay. where their tests, there's an assessment that's done when you work with a Gottman therapist, which I don't want to set people up to be looking for that because they're very few and far between mm -hmm. to find those. So you may not be able to do that. Um, but basically what a Gottman therapist is going to do is run you through that assessment, which mm. points out 
which area of the relationship, like an x-ray mm-hmm. would do, which area is really struggling. Because in therapy, what can happen is people come in and it looks like something else or it looks like something else. And, you know, we're off on some other complaint that's not the real issue. Right. And something like going through the sound relationship house, you realize, you know what, this couple's friendship is just battered mm. right now. Their basic or their trust system is just not there at all. Or really, these people had no purpose to their relationship at all. They had never even talked about, why are we together? What are we mm-hmm. doing? Aside from, you know, we had some feelings for each other initially. Yeah. Like, what is, why be a part of this organization? Mm. That's actually a conversation that couples need to have. That's so You know, good. what is the point of what we're doing? Like renewing your vows and your mission in your relationship. Completely. Completely. Because if you look at what's happening in couples, just knowing that to do is not enough to keep them in it. Mm-hmm. All right. This is an emotional bond that we have with each other. We need meaningful work in our lives and our, for our relationships to be meaningful. We need to know what the purpose wow. of them like is. Like a new creed or a new motto. And yeah. why are we doing why this? Why are we doing Let's this when we our... don't feel like doing it? Yeah. When it's just hard, like life is hard. Relationships are hard. Yes. Like why do we, do we really want to do this? Yeah. And sometimes we don't. And that's why purpose is important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about the soldier who goes to war who probably doesn't want to be blown up, but there's some greater purpose that he's attached. And he no wonder you love premarital counseling. Yeah. I mean, I just wish there was some way to force people when they're in high school or college or just to, to force people to do a course. Like you, yeah. you I know you have a premarital. Um, I do course that you do. I do. I do. And I think we're getting a little bit smarter about it. I know I speak, I've spoken in a lot of schools um, Mm -hmm. here in town and and want to keep doing that. And if anything, again, I'm just trying to plant the seed that there's more to learn. Mm -hmm. This isn't you show up and you pick somebody and you all are perfect for each other, so to speak. It's a never ending process. Yeah. This is growing up with another human being. And learning the intricacies of taking care of somebody else and yourself. I know there's a chapter in a book by Tim Keller, I believe, and it's called Loving the Stranger You're Married to. Yeah, that's Isn't lovely. Isn't that great? That's absolutely lovely. Yeah. I don't know that. that I'll, have to, I'll have to look at it. I can't even remember the name of the book, but it's... Um, I can... Loving the Stranger You're Married yeah. to. Yeah. One of the chapters in, in the book. Uh, that's gorgeous. It fits what you said because... You know, we're just changing all the time. Like when we get married, and this is where you said it, the work is never ending. When you marry someone, you're seeing them in on a high, a euphoric high, like a drug, and you're going to see their best. I like to laugh and say it's like false advertising. Yeah. I mean, you do things that you're not going to probably do unless you're incredibly intentional and mindful mm-hmm. with that 20 to one thing that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like false advertising, like, oh, my partner is now nowhere near as complimentary or affectionate. Or I remember when I was dating my husband, I would buy him things all the time. I couldn't help myself. I'd be at Walgreens and I'd buy him this dumb mug that had a smiley face on it at Walgreens because I was just thinking of him all the time and I was just over the moon. But then you get married and you're like, do you really care if I don't give you anything for your birthday this year? (laughs) (laughs) What happened to that woman I married? You know? (laughs) 
Oh, it's dreadful. I, I know. know. I know, but it's normal. It is it? normal. We relax. Oh, that's funny. What a great story. Yeah. And then he would give me these great massages and I love massages. But then when I was pregnant, I would ask for massages and be swollen from head to toe. And mm-hmm. he just like, I'm tired. And I'm like, when I dated you, I thought you were going to really be yes, generous with your massages. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. But, yeah, but that's um, the normal tendencies. We're fighting our tendencies. Yeah, to be a couple and be together, but it's so worth it. Yeah, it's so worth it. You will be healthier. You will actually grow a little bit. Uh-huh. Otherwise, we'd be stuck at that age where we married developmentally and we would never learn a darn thing. Yeah, and I don't think that's what life is really about. You know, marriage no. is your chance to learn about yourself. Amen. And to be able to talk first about what's happening for me, to really talk about that versus I talking talking about his behavior. Yes. And I think that's the big trap, Beth. I uh-huh. want, you know, if people can really take a few things from what we're talking about today. One of them is that couples come into a therapy office or it's in their living room too. They're working on each other instead mm-hmm. of the problem. Mm, mm. And so I want us to notice that tendency, almost like where you feel like a lever going over or mm-hmm. an indicator that's flipping over that's saying, you know what, now I'm talking about her instead right. of talking about the problem of spending. Or now I'm talking about him instead yes. of being on time. Yeah. You know, and, and so we we very easily slip into mm-hmm. what's wrong with the other person. And I, I get it. But there's a guarantee. What well, I tell you, let's put it this way: if you slip into that, you've got about a six percent chance of that going well. Mm. It just doesn't work, and you have to do it just what works. Work. Yeah, why not do what works? We need to put the um, microscope on ourselves. Yeah, but also, like you said, the relationship and not your partner. Um, yeah, and you know, if we had another hour, we could probably sit here and perfect or find a consensus between us of like what are the biggest. Mm. Like if couples instead were like, okay, this is what's wrong with my partner. They're not meeting this need of mine or they're not what I want. I think you've shed a lot of light on some of the biggest issues are more things like, you know, we're not wired to, to live with people Mm -hmm. as well as we think we are. Yes. Or we, and we're such different people. We are different. The, The differences between us. I like to say we're all literally like from different countries, even if we grew up next door, like the whole men are from Mars, women are from Venus. But even beyond that, like every single woman is different. I mean, not Mm -hmm. that we don't meet our little twins here and there in life, but yeah, we all have all these different operating assumptions and traumas and differences and, um, just operating systems. And so if we could just be less aggressive or harsh or judging about it and just say, Hey, we're different. We just need to translate the differences between us and realize we're a team and work like a team. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember if you said this before we started recording or after you said marriage is our last best chance to grow up. Yeah, it is. You like that? I love that. Did you say that before we started or after? I don't remember either. We had a great conversation before. I know. I love that. So that's for all of us. So if we take something for people to do today, I think we've talked about eye contact. Mm -hmm. Just try it just for the fun of it. See what happens. You don't even have to tell your partner you're doing it, but just see what happens. A little bit can go a long long way. Huge way. And and just do it. You're, you're doing a science experiment because what you're doing is you're setting off those bonding hormones in your partner. 
if you want to do that. And that's that's a pretty powerful, lovely thing to do. It's scientific. Yeah. And then I think the second thing I would do is ask yourself when your partner's doing something that you don't like. That's living with somebody, by the way. <laughs> if they're doing something that you don't like, is what they're doing a crime? Uh-huh. Can you find a way that it's not a crime, that it makes sense? Uh-huh. What did that person believe in that moment that had them do that thing that they did? Uh-huh. So if you can do that today, it really will change the way that you look at the world. Yeah, don't overreact. Yeah. Don't sweat the small stuff. Well, it becomes small stuff when our reserves are low. Yeah. The third thing I would say is put something, plan something in your bank account, in your emotional bank account as a couple. Uh, and so I, I read something this weekend that I thought was really interesting. There were people who wrote down things on a list that they wanted to get done, mm-hmm. put in two different groups. The ones who assigned a date and time mm-hmm. were 80% likely to do what they said they were going to do. Hmm. They had to do a date and time. So they had to put it on the calendar, probably with a reminder. But the ones who didn't do a date and time, it was just a list of things that they needed to get mm-hmm. done. So much, much less likelihood. So if you're actually attracted to this idea uh, of, I want to do something for my partner or I want to have something to look forward to for the mm. two of us. S- stop griping about it. Uh-huh. Um, put it on your calendar okay, and make sure it happens. Mm. Put it on your calendar. I, I can't tell you how many couples I have said, I want you to put an alarm on your phone that says send your partner a text. Because if we get out of the habit, we yeah. just don't do it. Send yeah. them a nice text or, or plan a meal just for the two of you. When the kids go to bed. Because life is going to get in the way. Always. If it's you just say, someday, someday, one of these days I want to do this, it yeah. won't happen. That's, that's well, and if, we know what happens if we do that with our health. Mm. I don't know why we think that would be different for the health of our marriage. Mm. Uh, it's the exact same thing. And, you know, I, I think what we have to do is just have a collective disappointment all of us, that it's not easier. Mm-hmm. Like, let's grieve that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we can, we can have a group and talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> talk about that with your partner. Like, oh, would yeah. this be easier? I had the most adorable couple say something this week, just completely cracked me up. I had told them that they needed to greet each other differently at the end of the day. Uh-huh. They were really pinpointing this end of the day time uh-huh. as being difficult. And it is, it's a very important part of the day how we how we reconnect and come into the home uh, and uh, so we choreographed it we talked a little bit about what was going to happen because uh, they needed that level of uh, redirection and sweet things I, I got a message from them later saying that they both had got such a giggle about how hard it was to manage themselves just to be <laughs> nice in that moment <laughs> so that, so much work yes it was and that unified them just having a yeah, giggle about it. That's so good. But they connected. Hard. It's hard because I want to be mad at you. And then all of a sudden I'm having to be nice and say hi and I'm glad you're home or give you a hug and a kiss. And we're yeah. out of that practice. So it's a little bit vulnerable. It's a little bit awkward, but it brings so much good stuff. Yeah. You'll never regret it. Do those little everyday things that fill someone's tank. Yeah. And we forget that because we just, like we were saying, you you get sort of numb or autopilot and you just take your spouse for granted or you take anyone in your life for granted. Mm-hmm. But if you can be thinking, okay, do those little things. Mm-hmm. And, and occasionally my husband will send me a really sweet um, text during the day and it just makes my day. Aww. Or just little things like you said that show I like you. I'm yeah. thinking of you. I'm glad I picked you. Yeah. I'm glad you're mine. Yeah. 
just, it says a lot. It doesn't even have to be a word. Occasionally, you know, my husband will like slap, slap me with like a little wet paper towel or throw a paper towel at me in the kitchen for fun and be playful. And I'm, it makes me feel so good. Yeah. He's playing. And we forget to do that. Oh, totally. Uh, Totally. And, and we get it. Um, but that's just not what our brain is there to do. So not taking each other for granted. Well, we we're going to tomorrow and yes. we're to the next day. I mean, I don't know how many of us have thought about our pancreas today. I mean, if it's working, <laughs> yeah. we're probably not thinking about yes. it. But the second it's hurting, we're darn well going to be paying attention to it. Right. So it's it's very much like that. It's human nature to go to what hurts. Mm. If your knee hurts, that's what you're going to be thinking about. I'm not mm-hmm. thinking about the fact that my arms are working beautifully today. Mm-hmm. All right. I need my attention to go to what hurts. Mm-hmm. So it's unusual for us as human beings to be proactive and and I appreciate when you see people doing all these exercise routines and all these things where, you know, people sit back and marvel, like, how do they do all of this? How do they make the time for all of this? Well, I'll tell you why. They found some emotionally compelling reason to do it. Mm. It's not because they just should. Mm-hmm. It's because they know that there's something in it for them. Mm-hmm. They've made it about themselves. Mm-hmm. So if I send a couple home and said, just do this because it'll make your partner feel better without telling them how it's going to make their lives better, mm-hmm. they're not going to do it. They almost need the reasoning or the rationale. Oh, they yeah, they need what we call an emotionally compelling reason to do it. Mm. You know, so I want them to figure out that this is the antidote to depression. There's a great book by Johan Hari. Mm-hmm. Uh, something connections that just popped out of my head. Hmm. But um, anyway, he talks about in all of his research that the two things that really combat depression are our groups, our social groups, our connections with other mm-hmm. human beings, and meaningful work. Wow. And when we find that one of those is missing, we see people who are struggling. So if our primary connections with our closest people are not okay, mm-hmm. or our work doesn't feel meaningful, we got a problem. Wow. You've got to have at least one or the other and ideally both. Yeah. So if I think my health's going to be better because my relationship with my husband is better, then maybe that's incentive enough for me to, you know, get beyond whatever my pettiness is for a second Mm. and just be nice. And Mm. so, because it's good for me. Right. There's, it's almost like there's got to be something in it for us to be motivated. It's pretty human. Yeah. It's every rule. Every culture has rules. Yeah. Every, or it doesn't work. Every culture, no matter how primitive or sophisticated Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it, has rules and regulations about this is how we behave in this culture or there are consequences. Mm -hmm. And relationships are the same way. Couples have to come up with, here are the things that we do or don't do that keep us connected and keep us feeling secure and safe in this partnership. I can count on this from my partner, even when he doesn't feel like it. Or when she doesn't feel like it, that they mm-hmm. will do these certain things. Because we're a team. We have a purpose. Mm-hmm. We have a meaning. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you've just got a relationship based on a few emotions that you had 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you, really, yeah. you really don't have any incentive hanging on by a to stay in it. Yeah. So I, I always get a kick out of people coming in and saying, oh, we're just having a hard time. We think we should separate. And I say, no, don't do it because you're going to like it. You know, <laughs> you're going to like having the remote to yourself. You're going to like not having right. the pain. All the perks are going to be this nice. this person all the time. Yeah, this stuff is hard. Right. Right. Let's put some other things in place that'll give you some relief from the pain 
or you're going to get addicted to being alone because yeah. it's easier. Make the togetherness more pleasant before you try living apart. Yeah, yeah of course it's fun. Cereal for dinner. and <laughs> Yeah, do what you want. Don't worry about anyone else. Yeah, of course it's going to feel good. I get that too. It's like right. your own little vacation from the problem. But you miss so much. I mean, you do. But at that moment, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. In the moment, you just need a break. At that moment, it's a break. Well, yes. let's give each other because we signed up with each other to be each other's uh-huh. break. Uh-huh. You know, we signed up to be each other's joyful place in life and to uh-huh. make each other's life better. And I think that's a primary question that we need to ask pretty regularly. Am I making this person's life better mm. by being in it? You know, how, again, it goes back to that question. How does he or she feel? With me, mm-hmm. you know, do I make his or her life? I think it's a George Eliot quote. What do we live for except to make life easier for each other? Mm. Yeah. And do I make my husband's life easier is my challenge. Or I'm sure I bring enough things that make it more difficult. Yeah. I, I might want to actively do some things that make it easier. Right. I love all those questions that you ask couples and ask yourself. I mean, I wish you could see how many times my mind has exploded oh, during this, <laughs> this meeting. There was only a way to show what's going on in our brains to other people. It'd be so much easier. I know. You see, I wouldn't have known that until you told me uh-huh exactly and we're, we're sitting in this lovely office and looking right at each other uh-huh. doing this conversation so I'm, I'm i wouldn't have had any idea and how we're both any of supposed this to be experts at reading people yeah. and high emotional oh, no intelligence idea. and no you idea. still can't tell I I'm my just... daughter knew i was proud of her right right, right. so it's, it's a fascinating exercise being a human but being a human i think we'll we'll talk about it this way being a human is one person psychology Mm. You know, that's survival, that's hard enough. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to be healthier, we're really sliding into two-person psychology. And that's what a relationship is. Mm. It's the goings-on of another human being incorporated into what's going on mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. And can I do that? Can I consider his feelings at the same time I'm considering mine? And can I consider them both to be important? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's really hard. You know, when we see that couples in danger is when they come in and they think they're superior or their position is superior to their partners. And when you see that, you've got a problem. You know, a neat uh, offshoot of that is sort of the idea of when you see two people coming together, a couple having a child, it's so fascinating to see how those kids represent different pieces of each parent Mm -hmm. and then also other ancestors and family. But when you think about a marriage as being, this is a new creation. This is a new entity. Never happened before. This never happened before. And it's like your influence, their influence, Mm -hmm. your history and their history coming together to make this unique thing that is unraveling and and changing with time, Mm -hmm. kind of like kids, Mm -hmm. but like it's a, it's a new thing and it's an, it's a life story. I mean, it's just, I don't even know what you just said that made me think of this, but it was one of those epiphanies that was like, how neat is it? Cause marriage is just so hard. Well, and let's go on what you just said too. Mm -hmm. If this is a completely new creation, Mm -hmm. That is unique. Mm-hmm. This thing that we've created, mm-hmm. right? That you and your husband have created, that my husband and I have created. Mm-hmm. This has never been done before. Right. I mean, there are lots of marriages, but this this combination of Carol and Robert has never happened before. It's there uncharted is, territory. It is. It's a new story, it a new book. It's something worth studying. Yeah. What makes it work? 
I think I was telling you off camera or off microphone before Mm -hmm. that I knew when I was a junior in high school what I wanted to do from work for the rest of my life, which makes me a complete weirdo. Mm -mm, And so I became such a nerd. I had my own little set of index cards and I wanted to know what makes relationships work. And if I saw people who looked like they were in a good relationship, I would stop them and ask them. I stopped people in malls. I stopped people at the beach. I remember even being in graduate school and stopping people. And when I was waiting tables to get through college, I would stop people at a Mm -hmm. table and ask them. I really wanted to know. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think what I derived or what I took from all of that is that it's different for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, and these relationships, you know, I wanted to find, because it would have comforted me to find some perfect manual mm-hmm. that was out there. And even as a beginning therapist, you know, I would glom onto one method or another and say, well, this must be it. the Holy grail of methods here. You know, mm-hmm. this is what it's going to be. And I think there's, uh, it's misleading, mm-hmm. you know, because what we've got to do is customize and what, the one reason I've studied so many different methods mm-hmm. and tried to become proficient in those is because I want to be able to offer clients a buffet of options mm-hmm. to be really attuned to what their needs are because each couple is different. Mm. And each each precious, precious couple who's in front of me is struggling to find secure functioning with each other. Mm. They're doing the best they like can a secure attachment. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an emotional safety. But okay. You know, so attachment might be how each of them attaches individually, you know, to their people, own style, their own style. Yeah. But secure functioning is mm-hmm. how they're behaving toward mm-hmm. each other and you see it their attachment styles definitely have an effect on that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us just don't know how to do that. Right. We don't know how to securely function and what that means for you two means something different for Robert and for me. Mm. And if you don't spend a lifetime becoming an expert on that human being and being supremely curious, it's going to be really difficult. And you're going to miss out on the so much of the beauty and the depth yeah. of that world that you could have explored, but you didn't know how to do it or you couldn't get past your trauma or your narrative or your false yeah. assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And all of those, I love what you just said, because all of those were your own. You know, it's getting past ourselves mm-hmm. to say, okay, wait, what was the mission here? What right. was the mission here? What was I actually saying that I was going to do in yeah. those vows or in that conversation that we had that we were going to be in a committed relationship? Did I, did I say in there, did I say, but only if I feel loved? Did yeah. I say that? Did I, did, was there a, I mean, I think we really have to look at that. Yeah. There's no disclaimer. Like if I'm enjoying myself, then I'll stick through thick and thin, yeah, yeah. richer for poorer. If you do everything I want. <laughs> if it's easy and I get my needs met and it's fine. change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you never change from who you are now. All bets are off. Well, I laugh with all my engaged couples and say, I really think the vows just suck. And I think that they ought to put in there something like, I promise to be the one to let you down the most. I promise to be the one who will bring you the most pain in your life. But I also promise to be the one who will die trying to repair it. Oh, wow. Because we are. If you're on the firing line all the time with your partner, we are in each other's space all the Uh time. We are going to be the ones most likely to let each other down. We put so much emotional energy into each other, especially in our culture, that there's a lot of disappointment that can happen. And so it's most likely that I will get my feelings hurt the most Uh with my beautiful partner. I'm so happy you just said this because I have this ongoing idea 
And there's a little part of me that would love to be a comedian, Mm -hmm. but I've told several people, and I'm sure you know this experience, there are times I share ideas or stories and I'm like, does anyone else resonate with this as much as I do? And maybe five people won't. And then there's one person that's like, oh my goodness, I love that. Yeah. So I have this funny, almost like a Saturday Night Live skit about marriage. And I'm like, to me, it could be hilarious instead of the traditional wedding um, ceremony to have a very somber, almost a funeral like quality (laughs) and and be like, be like, we're all here together to we've all gathered here today to let you know that you're embarking on one of the hardest, probably most painful, frustrating, trapped feelings (laughs) of disappointment that you will ever have in your whole entire life. This will take you to the end of yourself yes. and like to, to really like lower the bar so much. And yeah, like, we're all here for you. It. Like, let's <laughs> turn the lights on here. Okay. Like we're here for you. Yes. We've all been on the brink of divorce. Yeah. We've all felt like happy, maybe 20% of our marriage. I mean, and I'm, this sounds so you know, pessimistic, it. but it would be hilarious. You know, I, it, but wouldn't it be kinder? You know, we said earlier, kind is being clear. Yeah. And I do think we need to do because people are so isolated mm-hmm. now and not living in close tribes and not mm-hmm. living with parents as long and all those kinds of things mm-hmm. that are happening. We're not witnessing life and death as much. We're not witnessing mm-hmm. the ins and outs of relationships that are healthy as mm-hmm. much. And so, Pete, there's no realistic understanding exactly. of a relationship over many different stages of life. Yeah. And if you had the judge there sitting with a gavel going, okay, just right before you kiss the bride, are you sure? You're ready yeah, for this. Yeah, yeah. Do you I tell people you should be 80% healthy before you date? Certainly get married. I'm like, <laughs> are you sure that you're 80% healthy? Are you sure you're 80% healthy? And you know, this is going to be, it's not going to be as much fun as you think. Like, are you sure? And yeah. it's just like, it's so true, but kind of funny at the same time. I want it to be funny. This stuff yeah. is hard enough. Yeah. You know, and if I asked somebody that, Beth, I would say to them, can you communicate about the 20% of you that's not healthy to mm-hmm. a partner? Can you say, hey, look, I just want you to know right now, I need a lot of reassurance. I'm just one of those girls. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, or can you just say, Own your... I'm working on this yeah. right now. I tend to get depressive. Or if, if, yes. if somebody is somebody who tends, I don't tend toward that way. I probably tend toward the needing lots of reassurance. And I have this husband who's like supremely reassuring all the time. Aww. And it's so lovely. I realize it's just, just know what your stuff is all the time. Yeah. I know how to tell him, you're welcome to say that again. But, you know, <laughs> say that say one that more time. Time in different again. words. <laughs> and yes, I'd like 12 kisses. He's like, fine. Oh, uh, uh, that's you know, so awesome. But you know, you have to learn to know your vulnerabilities. Yes. And we get this big giggle out of Robert. We call it we call it being wobbly, but uh-huh. he'll say in the morning he's there. He's like, All right, are you still here? <laughs> Wobbly. Like, are you still here? His is morning, and mine is at the end of the day when I'm starting to get worn out. I'm like, oh wait, you're still here. And this feeling awesome. wobbly, like insecure. Yeah, like, are yeah. you are you still you haven't left me yet? Yeah, and things are still good. <laughs> like, really? I mean, this you is, haven't discovered this the negative sides enough to leave yet. Yeah, yeah you're still here. Oh, you're that's still hilarious. Like I feel a little wobbly and vulnerable. Yeah, I feel or a little something. bit wobbly. Insecure. Tell me everything's okay. Hey, oh, but that's if we cute. Do, so I, I like the idea of being 80% healthy. That sounds interesting. I don't uh-huh. know how you measure it, but yeah. It, I want people to be able to talk about the parts of them that they're struggling with, which is some awareness. Yeah. Like, this is the way that I realize I'm uh, like my, my 
freshman in college is studying attachment styles, which I think is fascinating. Oh. She's taking a psychology class. Nice. I think she probably had a hard time admitting to me. But uh, <laughs> Mom, I'm sort of following in your footsteps. Uh, no. I met a class in neurobiology. Oh. She's like, oh, Mom. Okay, Mom, you've rubbed off on me. I'm trying to be my own person, but I can't uh, help it. She's so cool. But now uh. she's uh, misindependent. But she she's studying. She said, Mom, I think I'm this kind of style. I was like, yep. And she, I think my sister is more like this. I was like, yep, you know, like you're it. on it. Yeah. And so what do you do with that, Alex? You know, and I was trying to talk her through, like, these are the strategies. This is what you do. She's like, that's totally what I do when I'm upset or get my feelings hurt. I'm like, yeah, but the next step of not having that always be your pattern uh-huh. because people will misunderstand you is to do this. And it's just fascinating. This, when you can do it as a fun conversation, you, uh-huh. you've raised it from the lake here. You, uh-huh. You're looking at it and it's not so scary now. Yeah. As a couple, we hold the idea that I know where your vulnerabilities are. Mm. You know where mine are. And we do not. We do not kick those. Uh, you know, we tend those and we talk mm-hmm. about them pretty regularly. So I think as therapists, we help people be more fluent Mm. in that language. Ooh, uh, fluent is such a great word. It is because they've got to become aware of it. Yeah. And then become fluent in talking about it with their partner. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just, I'm so proud of every couple who comes in my office. It's funny how often they apologize for how many issues they have. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's, mm-hmm. I'm so proud of them from coming in and saying, I don't think I know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I think I need some help here. Right. Because my partner is saying this and I'm scared and we're going to lose each other. And it's like, good for you. We all need help. And we, most of us don't know what we're doing, but good for you for being secure and courageous enough to say that. Yes, um, I agree. You know, a neat parallel you have to Esther Perel, who yeah. I just recently heard on a podcast with Brene Brown, um, that she was asking really deep questions about people and history as a child because of her family's history with concentration camps. Mm-hmm. And that is a whole nother episode idea of how the some of the pain that you went through as a child but also the way you were wired like our calling comes from our personality mm-hmm. but also sometimes our pain and our trauma of parents divorcing or whatever mm-hmm. issues um made you so interested in all this ends up giving us the carol stonies and the Esther perels of the world because of how some of our hardship makes us Mm-hmm. gravitate towards certain professions, even like certainly. an injury. Someone becomes a doctor or a phys- you know, physical therapist because of some of the hardest things they've ever been sure. through. Um, well, this is just mind blowing. Oh, is it helpful? Oh my goodness. So good. And I, I need to come to one of your seminars. I could listen to you talk all day long. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I hope as the world is opening, if people are continuing to be Protective of themselves and others as we need to be in the uh-huh. world right now with mm-hmm. the virus. Um, then hopefully we'll be able to do more and more yeah, seminars the point in of person these is for them to be fun. Yeah, I want people to come in because relationships are hard. I want uh-huh. them to come in and laugh and have fun yeah. and laugh at themselves and enjoy their partner for a little while. It should be a break. Yeah, we need a little more lightheartedness in our lives and our relationships. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be a lot of fun. Let's let's talk about this last thing, though. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we also have to be aware that our brain has coded other people as dangerous throughout this pandemic, too. Mm. Although you have said, you said earlier that we've realized how much we need each other. Mm-hmm. I think we've also had a different message 
as well. Like danger, everyone could potentially be a carrier of COVID or. Right. So this is just other bodies and other people. We've, we've definitely narrowed. And they're taking our toilet paper and our paper towels. They're competing for resources. So our social, you know, our, our typical social reaching out has been rewired a little bit. Wow. Yeah. And so I want us just to be aware of that, that we really do need our tribe and Mm. we need people. And there's been a cloud over that, a necessary one for a while. But just Mm. be, be aware of that, that we might not be making eye contact like we Mm -hmm. used to. We might not be meeting each other's physical needs just in terms of a hug. And we can't see people smiling anymore. We can't see them smiling. And that's a very big deal. Mm-hmm. We're not getting the signals yes. from each other that we need to get that we're safe mm-hmm. with each other. We're reassuring. Down. Yes. We're getting in and out of the store. Yes. Or hiding in the corner of the restaurant mm-hmm. if we're going out or shopping in off times. Mm-hmm. So we're not getting a lot of that, you know, vitamin social that we need or that interaction as part of a community. So our tanks are a lot emptier. They're a lot emptier and we're demanding a lot from our partners to fill it. And a lot more fear wiring and danger yes. wiring is happening. Yeah, I, I think of it like low grade anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> and if you already have anxiety, it's made it much Just higher. Adding to it. But, I love the word well, coding. That language is so good that we have coded people differently. We have. And necessarily, again, we're back to survival. Mm. So you're having to do some very active things. You know, I know with my daughter in college, I had this one of these weird mother moments where I was thinking, wait a minute, who's hugging her? Mm hmm. Wait a minute. Where have I mean, they been? This child. Her? Well, and more than like, is she getting hugged? Like, oh, oh no. Wait a minute. This child who's used to way too much hugging from me. Like, I just uh-huh. never let go of the idea that she was three and I could hug her and sniff her head at any time I wanted to. And, you know, we're just a very affectionate family. Uh-huh. And and then I thought, oh, wait a minute. She getting her eight hugs a day. Who is hugging this child? Oh. And the world is not a safe place for her just to go hug people. Mm. You know, so it's just different. You know, you know yeah. how little girls are. They're on top of each other all the time, yeah. hugging. And, you know, she had to live in an environment in school where she couldn't do that legitimately mm. for a couple of years. And so it's, you know, she's having to feel her way truly through mm-hmm. that. Like, mm-hmm. who can I hug? Who can I not? Yeah. And we're all, you know, whose hand do we shake? I know, I know if somebody reaches out to shake my hand, I have an initial reaction of, right. Um, It's like the aftermath and all the, what do you call it after an earthquake or a volcano? I can't think of all the the seismic, the aftershocks. We're, we're, I want us, those are unconscious for us right now. Mm -hmm. So I want to bring them to the consciousness of the fact that we have a wiring that says stay away from people Mm. right now. And it can apply to our partner, especially when we get into those dark moments. Like, well, just go it alone. You're responsible for your health. Mm-hmm. And more I awareness. More awareness that we need to get our eye contact mm-hmm. back with our partner. Code this person is safe. Mm-hmm. Behave in ways that have that partner feel safe with us. Mm-hmm. Go back to the drawing board about a mission. I have one thing I could leave us with. Would that be? It sounds amazing. Would that be good? Okay. So in seminars, I typically hand out a um, blank business card Mm -hmm. for everyone, a business card size thing. And what I ask people to do is write down three adjectives that they'd like to have described them as a partner, not Mm. their partner. What are three words? More can get overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Less 
doesn't cover enough. Yeah. So I say three words. What are three words that you, you know, at the end of your life with this partner, you want them to have said about you? Mm. He was this. She was this. And I call it a compass card because this is my compass when I don't feel like it. Mm. This is my commitment to myself, not to Robert, because he's a human being. This is my mission. Yeah, this is my commitment to myself, the kind of human that I want to be, the kind of partner I want to be, even when he may be not doing his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I'm not doing my thing, mm-hmm. you know, if he's not so perfect all the time, mm-hmm. am I still going to yeah. do what I need to do? Mm-hmm. And it's it's really important that we have that in our phones. It's important that we have it. Oh, that makes you tearful. Uh, it's it's powerful when we start thinking about this is the kind of partner I want to be for him. And I better darn well hold myself accountable because I'm a human being. I'm a precious human being with feelings and reactions. And I'm not going to feel like it because I'm just a human being. Wow. How? Yeah. I don't have to tell you that was moving because you can see. Sweet you. But will you do that? Will you write that down in your phone where you're going to see it? Mm -hmm. This is my compass for me as his partner. Wow. All I can say is amen and thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you for the gift of being here.